in the building, or should I say back on the mic? This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. We're back with another one, another great show, another amazing person to speak with, and a chat. Used to call them interviews, other chats. I mean, this is a conversation, like we're at a establishment having a beverage or at a cafeteria eating some lunch or dinner this is all this is just chilling talking explaining life telling stories it's a beautiful beautiful thing our guest on this episode is mike freeman fieldcrest football coach it was his first season he had been an assistant coach with the knights since 2014 then he got his chance as the head coach after derek schneeman resigned and went to DeKalb to be an assistant coach there. The Knights went 4-0 this season in the COVID-19 condensed campaign we had this year. IHSA allowed six games, but the heart of Illinois Conference said, hey, let's only play four. Let's give each sport some space to breathe as, you know, they're trading kids back and forth for different athletics. And they're like, hey, let's just do four. Basketball was short every season for Fieldcrest and every other squad in the heart of Illinois Conference has been shortened. It didn't matter. The Knights were amazing. Great football team. There were some ranked games in there where they were ranked. Their opponent was ranked by the IHSA. Just great games all season. So big props to them. Senior Jackson Kusick McKay, who is mentioned on this podcast quite often and was on, I believe, two episodes ago, him and boys basketball coach for Fieldcrest, Matt Winkler. They were on a show together. This show, he has also spoke about because on the football field, he went nuts as well. He was just named Illinois High School Football Coaches Association All-State Team member. So congratulations to Jackson. Congratulations to the Knights and everything that they were able to do. And big props to Mike Freeman. Steps in, takes the reins, and continues the path of success that the Knights and Fieldcrest have been on for quite some time. Freeman says it in our chat. believe Schneeman was with the team five years, and they made the postseason four out of those five. Fantastic. That's amazing. So big props to Freeman. Especially, he had to wait a full year. He was hired to the day a year before his team actually gets to play a game because of COVID. So he had to emotionally stay in it, mentally stay in it. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm taking over this team that I've already been an assistant coach with. No, there's a lot of intangibles going on in his first campaign, and they go 4-0 and still look like a state team. In my mind, Fieldcrest and Princeton, at the beginning of the season, it it hurt me. It hurt me that they weren't going to get – a state tournament. They weren't going to get a full season because in my mind, both of them were state championship caliber teams. We speak about that. Fieldcrest, a dominant juggernaut football team that should have had more chances. Everybody should have had more chances, but man, if Fieldcrest did, who knows what they would have been able to do. Don't know where you're listening to this show, but you can catch Edge of Your Seat podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, www.rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Social media on Facebook, it's Edge of Your Seat Podcast and Twitter, 
edge of your CP. You have any questions, suggestions, you want to be a guest, you know somebody that could be a good guest, you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. My friend, my dude, Brian Cavelli, thank you for the intro and outro beat. Always enjoy jamming to that beat before and after every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It might be a little late on a Thursday, Thursday night, May 27th. You know, I'm kind of feeling going to the gym, working out. Hopefully that carries over till tomorrow and then the next day and the next day and the next day. Because let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape. It's not easy to stay physically fit. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, maybe motivation is low, don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body, injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Prune Mall, across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not just one time. It's not just one day a week. There are many options, and classes only last one hour. A support group, LP CrossFit, is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation, the trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including body weight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided, pushed, at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting the first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. Want to go hard? It's hello, how are you? Go get at it. Want a more relaxed approach? It's the same welcoming. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a major, major priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Like I mentioned before the word from an advertiser, one of our sponsors, good old LP CrossFit, Definitely get in there, check out the gym. Everybody is nice, very, very friendly. Always recommend going to get a great workout with them. And anytime you step in the doors, you are going to get a great workout. I've done it a few times. I should go way more often, but it's crazy. It is awesome crazy. You're ready for a workout? Go to LP CrossFit, no doubt. NBA playoffs, getting the game twos of the Eastern and Western Conference matchups on Tuesday. Some crazy games there. The Nets bulldoze the Boston Celtics 130-108. In Game 1, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving went off for 82 points combined. Game 2, only 61 points. They still win by 22. Joe Harris, 7 threes, 25 points. Crazy. He was 7 of 10 from behind the arch. Wow. Just going off. Off, off, off. That dude can shoot. He is a great marksman. You give him a second to shoot, it's game over most of the time. Obviously, 7 out of 10. That's 70%. That's better than a lot of kids' ACT tests right now. Sorry, kids. But it is. 
dude can shoot. I wish every kid would study and be able to shoot like this guy is in terms of killing those ACT scores. ACTs, SAC, STCs, all those tests. All of them. Your goal should be able to pass them in the same manner as Joe Harris can shoot a three. Just saying. Just saying. Unbelievably, in my mind, Dallas Mavericks take a two-game lead in the series, the first-round series, against the Los Angeles Clippers with a 127-121 victory. That's crazy that the Mavs are up 2-0 on the Clippers. The Clippers got the Mavs beat in pretty much every category on paper, if you ask me. I think they got better big guys. I think they got better guards. I think they're best player on the court. I love Luka Doncic, probably my favorite player to watch in the NBA. But Kawhi Leonard, still probably the best player in the series. Unless Luka Doncic keeps doing what he's doing and maybe he's the best player in this series. I thought the Clippers had this hands down, thought it was going to be an interesting series, thought it was going to be fun to watch, fast pace, a lot of big moments. But I had no idea and did not think at all that the Mavericks would take a 2-0 lead on the Clippers. Never. Luka in this game too, 39 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 28. And Korstop Porzingis, 20 points. So three guys, 20 plus. That'll get you victories. Lakers edge the Suns 109-102 to even that series 1-1. Still want the Suns to win. I have faith. I want the Lakers to be knocked out. No offense to AD or LeBron James. Just want to see a changing of a guard. Or at least a, a break, a pause. Sick of seeing LeBron in finals. Sick of seeing him trying to win championships. Want to see a team that nobody's thinking of. Even though the Suns were good all year. Nobody's thinking of the Suns to do anything. Really. Really we're not. Nobody's like, oh my gosh, the Phoenix Suns are going to be the NBA world champs. No, that's not really being said. So to see a Chris Paul, Devin Booker, that group be able to do it, DeAndre Ayton, I'm starting to love that dude. In game one, he kind of owned Anthony Davis. Didn't happen in game two, but in game one, for sure. He was the best big guy on the court. Nobody could argue that. But we knew the Lakers are going to come back hard. There's championship pedigree all throughout that roster. So to think that the Suns were just going to run away with this, no way. No way. That's not going to happen. But on paper, even throughout the season, the Suns were the better team. I'm hoping that they can prove that in the playoffs. Yesterday's games on Wednesday, Philadelphia 76ers 120, Washington Wizards 95. I wanted the Wizards to upset the Sixers. I know that's crazy at 8-1. But hey, crazier things have happened. That's happened before. So why not? Sixers just playing bully ball, whooping the Wizards. Take the 2-0 lead over Washington. Westbrook is choking again. In this game, 10 points, 11 rebounds. Okay, it's a double-double, but 10 points from the star of this team. Bradley Beal is awesome, but in this regard, he's the two-star. He's not number one go-to option. Westbrook is. 10 points from that guy? Nah, Westbrook is choking hard. If they have a chance of even taking a game or two, Westbrook has got to score 25 to 30 every game. New York Knicks tied the series 1-1 with the Atlanta Hawks with a 101-92 victory. 
fun series. That is going to be awesome throughout the entirety. I hope it goes seven just so we all have amazing moments to watch in this series. Utah Jazz, even the series with the Memphis Grizzlies, 141-129. That is crazy. That is a lot of points. That may be the difference between having Donovan Mitchell and not having Donovan Mitchell. He was not in game one. Jazz lose. He returns for game two. He scores 25 points. Leads them to a 141-129 victory. John ja Morant still playing amazing. He is going to be the best guard in the league. Best point guard in the league pretty soon. Mark my words. If you already don't think that, which... If you're a basketball fan, NBA fan, and you don't see it, man, this dude's got all the tools to do whatever he wants to. Speaking of tools and whatever they want to, let's get to some high school sports. Let's break down Tuesday and Wednesday's achievements, accomplishments. Like I said, this is Thursday, May 27th. We're going to have shows pretty much throughout the entire weekend. So we're going to do Wednesday's sports stuff. For high school today tomorrow we'll get to thursdays and maybe break down some of fridays depending on what time we can get into the studio we got some things planned for the show and things going on tomorrow night so we'll see what happens the high school segment is brought to you by shimmer mendota ford a community dealership that is here for you on tuesday may 25th we will start with the wrestling mats had a triangular between St. Bede, Marquette, and Seneca. St. Bede beat Marquette 36-18. For Marquette, getting those points, Logan Petrie, Jake Mitchell, Wyatt Smith all had wins against the Bruins. Seneca beat St. Bede 63-10. In the triangular with Princeton, LaSalle, Peru, and Sandwich. LaSalle, Peru beat Princeton 48-30. But that loss to Sandwich, Sandwich picking up the victory over the Cavaliers 56-24. Sandwich went 2-0 in the triangular by defeating Princeton 52-30. Softball field, Anawan Weathersfield beat Stark County 9-4. The Lady Titans are now 15-2, 11-2 in the Lincoln Trail Conference. In this game, Aaron Forsythe and Paige Huffman both went 2-4. Huffman with two RBI. Sophie Nimerick was the winning pitcher. She struck out six. Mendota with a seven nothing win over Dixon. Seneca defeated Marquette 4-3. To the tennis court, boys tennis in their last regular season meet. Ottawa defeated Kaelin 4-0. The Pirates now 13-2, 8-0 in the Interstate 8 Conference. Good stuff. Getting the job done for the Pirates. Baseball. Putnam County 11. Roanoke Benson 1. Marquette defeated Seneca 15-1 in 5 innings. Streeter swept the series with Cole City. Capping it off with a 6-2 victory. Byron defeated Stillman Valley 4-2. For the Tigers, Sawyer Eccles with the victory. 7 innings pitch, 6 Ks. Zach Tucker was 2-3 at the plate with two RBI and a run. And Luke Mathau, 1-3, scored two runs. In a crazy scoring game, Stillman Valley beat Mendota 25-17. For the Trojans, Ted Langrath, three home runs. Yee! 
getting the job done. Girls soccer, Morris defeated Ottawa 6-1. Byron, 2. Rockford Lutheran, 0. Princeton taking care of Indian Creek, 5-1. And Streeter fell to Hersher, 4-2. And a triangular on the track in Dixon for the men. Rock Falls won with a 68. Forreston Polo took second with 65. Byron with a 46 for third. The women. Forreston Polo scored 71 to win. Byron had 60 points for second. And coming in third was Rock Falls with 38 points. Moving on to Wednesday, May 26. Girls Soccer Interstate 8 Conference Tournament. In a semifinal, Sycamore defeated LaSalle Peru 6-0. Sycamore will now play in the championship for the Interstate 8 Conference at noon on Saturday. For the Lady Spartans, Ella Shipley scored four goals. She's nasty. She has been putting three, four, five, seems like every single game. Lily Horn had the shutout for the Spartans. And in the net for LaSalle Peru, could have been a way worse game in terms of score. Leah Selquist determined, blocked a bunch. She is awesome in the goal. Awesome, awesome, awesome. She is a senior. I know LP is going to be missing her when she goes. Back to the wrestling mats. In a triangular, Lena Winslow defeated Sterling 41-27. And then they got another win by defeating Rochelle 43-30. In another triangular, Byron defeated Amboy 59-18, but then Dixon took out Byron 50-18. The Hall baseball team named the Three Rivers Eastern Conference champs for the sixth straight year. They defeated Newman 4-1 on Wednesday. Congrats to them. That program is a factory at this point. They went through quite a few years where they couldn't get things together losing seasons, and then bam, they started to put the pieces together at the youth ages, the little leagues, getting those players to buy in super young, they get to junior high, playing baseball all summer, every summer, get to high school, and man, 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 just turn into a factory, Hall is crushing it at the moment, Mantino 12, Marquette 2, Ottawa defeated Morris 5-3 thanks to a go-ahead RBI single by Anthony Cooper in the sixth inning. Sycamore defeated Sandwich 10-1. LaSalle Peru edged Plano 2-0. Six in a row for the Cavaliers. This one on the arm of Julius Sanchez as he got the win on the mound. Seven innings pitched, 13 Ks. Softball, Hall beat Newman 11-8. Then in game two of their doubleheader, Newman beat Hall 5-3. LP fell to Kalen 3-0. Sycamore walloped Plano 14-2. Interstate 8 Girls Track Conference. Kalen victorious in the 18 field. Sycamore second. LaSalle Peru third. Morris fourth. Sandwich fifth. Rochelle sixth. Seventh was Plano. And Ottawa came in eighth. Awesome job. Regular seasons winding up. We got playoffs right around the corner. Regional start for baseball and softball next week. I believe it's Tuesday. Things are coming quick. Playoffs for tennis and girls soccer. Man, this is what we live for. I'm excited. 
We're getting the postseason, getting the state championship. Man, ready, 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 ready. That's for sure. The high school sports segment was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a miserable 2020 in every sense of the term, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to help you keep 2021 awesome, make it more awesome, with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop in and see the last remaining 2020 Ford Escape redesigned, repriced. It is ready for you to hop in it, take it home, straight into your driveway, straight into your garage. But the 2020 Ford Escape is just one of the many options at Shimmer Mendota Ford as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website, www.mendotaford.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranic, will use their experience and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. And right after you hop in your new car, you get home, try to be comfortable, you see some things like, man, that could be fixed. That could be renovated. Should I spend some more money? Should I make it look cool? Should I make my place, my home, my man cave, my kitchen, my bathroom feel more comfortable, more how I want it? Of course you should. And we know just the people to help you. Olsa Construction works hard to help its customers enjoy every single thing about their home. Brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. They can do absolutely everything. For a free estimate, call Olsen Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Well, that is the intro. Hopefully you're enjoying this weird weather. It's cold, it's hot, it's raining. It's uh, Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. But summer is here. School's out. Baseball, soccer, all those summer activities that you love to do is happening. It's a great time. Great time. And like I said, we got playoffs right around the corner, just a few days away, getting to a state tournament. Yes. The best part of the year. Doesn't matter what sport it is. It's awesome. As always, thank you for listening. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. Thank you very, very much. Always pushing, trying to make the show better, give you everything you need to hear, everything you want to hear, cool stuff to entertain you, information to learn you, all that good stuff. Thank you again, as always, for listening. We will be back very, very soon. Until then, peace. 
football season, the one we did not think was going to happen at all. We got some weeks in, six weeks altogether. Some didn't play as many, but it has been awesome to see football happen, be at football games. Fortunate to be able to broadcast football games, talk to coaches, talk to players for Edge of Your Seat podcast. And we got a coach here with us today, Fieldcrest Mike Freeman. How's it going, Mike? Great, Brandon. Thanks for the opportunity to have me on. Anytime I can you know, talk football and talk this season and being a new head coach, I, I love it. So I appreciate the opportunity, Brandon. Oh, definitely. And that's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast is talk and talk about sports and football. Fieldcrest High School, I am pumped up about this one. You said new coach. This is your first year. And let's just talk about that because we can break it down into many segments because this has been a crazy year for everybody. But head coach, Fieldcrest, coming in, you know it's a good football program, have had lots of success lately. What was your initial you know, thoughts coming in and you know, being a head coach? When I got the job and I was named, you know, Derek's successor, I had been in the program with him, you know, from 2014 and, you know, been to both those semifinal runs and knowing the senior class we had coming in, it was honestly an absolute dream come true to know I was going to lead this team now and this program and this group of seniors. And I just thank God, you know, from the day I got it, like, wow, how fortunate am I? And then literally that next week, we were almost in the midst of the first shutdown for COVID for a long time. So I get named the head coach and it's COVID and everything's up in the air from there. Were you thinking like, oh, it's because I'm here. That's why this happened. Well, well, that definitely crosses my mind. I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, this is great. I've been waiting years and years for, for my shot of being a head coach. And then, boom, I get a head coach job. And then the world shuts down. And I'm like, well, at least it's March. Uh, we still have like April, May. And then we'll, we'll definitely be open by June and everything will be up and going. And then June comes and we're still shut down. And I was like, well, football season is not till August. This is no big deal at all. Keeping our kids upbeat and we're working out and we're doing things that we can with all the guidelines. And then, you know, July creeps by and it's early August. And I'm like, man, they still got to let us play football, right? And then they're like, hey, uh, no, no season. We're going to go and cancel the season and maybe we'll play in the spring. And, you know, my heart definitely drops and I feel for these kids and, you know, my wife and my kids for how much time I spent gone over the summer. And it, it was definitely a... Uh, shot to the gut to say no fall season and we were just super hopeful for anything so we just kept working out and kept being together and I really wanted to bring a lot of character building and a lot of things to this program to get close to these kids and and make them you know young men not just great football players and so we spent a lot of summer and a lot of fall instead of playing football just getting better people and I, I really think it came into fruition here in the spring when they granted us the opportunity to play football. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, what a great opportunity. You know, IHSA going to give us six games, and then two days later, our uh, HYC comes out and says, actually, we're going to play four games. And I know myself, my coaching staff, the community, the kids, they were just like, unbelievable. What a great opportunity. We still get to play four games. You know, any time we could have hung our heads and said, man, they took a couple games from us, or we could have had a nine-game season, and then we had a six, and now it's a four. But we were just like – are you kidding me? Thank God we get to play. And I say that, but we, we honestly do thank God all the time just for the opportunity to play football and play as a family and play together the sport they've been doing since third grade. So it was definitely a journey up until that first game. And they said we were going to play on March 20th was our first game. And that marked the one year anniversary from my hire. So I got hired and didn't coach a game for 365 days. And I'll tell you what, that day we went to Gibson was just 
overjoyous for me, and I, I couldn't be happier for what's come of it since. Before we talk more football and stuff like that, we always got to have that strong support system, especially at home when it comes to things like you just went through. Let's give a shout out to your wife and kids. What are their names? Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna shout them out many times because my wife, Mel, is just an absolute amazing woman. She has the purest heart in the world, a, a great smile, a, just the best perfect person I could think of to counterbalance me and this football lifestyle. And she has blessed our family with two beautiful, amazing daughters, um, Madeline, who is five years old, and Macy, who's one and a half. And we are just feeling pretty, pretty complete here. And we can kind of have a lot of things going on with ourselves here in Monunk and we love it and the community's embraced us so let's definitely talk about Mel and how how amazing she is and has always been supportive of me from day one and we've been together since you know year two out of high school and it's coming up on I would say quite a few years here oh, she's gonna kill me if I don't have the answer but we've been married just over eight years now and we were together four years before that, so it's definitely been a great ride. So approaching, you know, 15, 16 years now. So actually our anniversary for our dating is this Saturday, April 24th. So I could gush all day long about my wife and how awesome she is and great for this family and is here behind the scenes helping me be, be a better person every day for my kids on the football field. So if you come up missing, we know why. It was because you didn't have the right yeah, years. Yeah, it's because you just caught me off guard by talking about that. And so it was, it was the, the, not the right year, probably. So I'll be apologizing that for that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but they do say they do say the easiest way to remember an anniversary is to forget it one time. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, because then once you forget it, they're going to no, come you, at you'll, you. You'll never do it again. Exactly, exactly. So let's talk about this year. Shortened season, and then shortened from the shortened. So you guys play four games, but man, were they some crazy, crazy awesome games. You guys go 4-0 with some ranked beating teams. You guys are 2A, 3A opponents. Man, break it down for us. Um, well, we saw our schedule, and we were going to open up at Gibson City, who, you know, a year removed from back-to-back state champions, and uh, last year, when we went to the semifinals, I say last year, but uh, 2019, when Fieldcrest went to the semifinals, we snapped their uh, many-game winning streak. Uh, I think it was up to, I want to say, like 34 games, maybe, that we snapped their win streak at home you know, a week four of the 2019 season, and I know coming into this season, they were ready to have that revenge, and they have great athletes there, and Mike Allen's a great coach, and we knew we were going to have it set out for us on, on that opening weekend, and then we also saw DMAC on our schedule as our first home game, and they had a new coach, but you know, tons of talent there, and we're going to have to go to Eureka on a Saturday night and then finish off with El Paso for our senior night at home. So we know in HOI every week you play a conference game, you're going to get a great team. And we just happen to have number four in 2A Gibson on our schedule and then number seven in 3A Eureka on the schedule. So it was a battle. And, I mean, I, we can go through and break down each of those games with this uh, a tidbit of that, if you'd like. I... It's definitely fresh in my memory, and being 4-0 and even 1-0 was definitely a, a feeling I'll never forget. Let's start there. I mean, you're going into your first game. You waited a year to actually get on the field as the head coach of the Fieldcrest Knights, and it's against Gibson City Melvin Sibley, who is a really good team year in and year out, and now they're ranked. You guys are ranked. 
Monster Showdown Week 1. What are your thoughts going into this? I'm a very positive, optimistic person, and I'm like, hey, this group of seniors, and we have 19 seniors on our roster, and I was their JV coach through the years, and we had a great JV season, and I know these kids' character, and I know their work ethic, and I know how great of friends they are, and I've said from the beginning, like, I will take these kids into a football game with me against anybody and feel confident, and that's exactly what we did, and we opened up the game, and we had a, uh, a halfback pass to open up the game, I want to say like, you know, 20, 30, 25, 30 yards, somewhere in there, and we stalled after that, and punted, and they got the ball, and, you know, first quarter, towards the end of the first quarter, they had Lafferty, a great Division One uh, junior running back, they kind of drove down the field with him, and they scored, and we come out, we sputtered again on offense and kind of back and forth. And then the second quarter, they scored again, and we hadn't gotten our offense going at all. And it was kind of kind of frustrating, but we just stayed positive. And we were down 14 to nothing halfway through the second quarter and had to punt again and give them the ball. And they marched right down to the field, and the clock just kept ticking down and down and down. And in my head, I'm like, hey, they're going in to score again. And, you know, what's my halftime speech going to look like at down 21 nothing of my first game with these kids? And they get down to the two-yard line with about 30 seconds to go, and they had one timeout, and they um, take the snap and kind of fumble it, and they're on the three-yard line, and clock's ticking, and they go take a snap again and go to handoff, and we stuff them on the goal line as the second quarter runs out. And we kind of go in the locker room like, holy cow, you know, what adversity did we just experience there? And our word of the week was really to just respond and come back and handle the adversity. And we did that and we persevered like no other and being down 14 to nothing at the half. And we knew we were going to kick off to them and we knew we were going to have to play solid defense. And we kicked off to them. And I want to say the second play of the quarter, Jackson McKay blitzed off the edge and hit the quarterback. He dropped the ball, and we pick it up on the 30-yard line, 28-yard line, and very next play, we hit Henry Lorton on a on a deep fade route and score right off the bat. And so it was 14-7, to and we had some confidence, and we come back and shut them down on defense again, and they punt to us, and we drive down. And I think the next one, we drove all the way down, and um, – Jackson McKay kind of swings out of the backfield, and we hit him for a, a touchdown about, you know, 10, 15 yards out, and it's 14 to 14, and it's still the third quarter, and so they come out again, and we kind of, you know, stall them on defense, and they punt to us, and a couple of plays later, 40 yards to Henry Lorton again down the sideline. We score, and we go up 21 to 14 in the third quarter, quite a barrage, and the, the feeling, the emotion, the high from that third quarter will never be forgotten because I was like man we are clicking we feel like these kids are coming together and they just continue to play amazing defense and our, our offense gave us an opportunity and when we took that final knee in the in the fourth quarter after Jackson broke an 80 yard run and gets caught at like the eight yard line and we take we need out two times and win the game 21 14 it was just pure ecstatic like I, I'm still smiling from that game, and I, I told the reporter after the game, like, I know I'm wearing this mask, but I'll be smiling for a long time to, to pick up that first win in that style with those kids is unbelievable. Definitely, definitely. And you just mentioned a couple of kids that have been on here or discussed many, many times. Jackson Kusick-McKay has been on before, and actually it's going to be aired by the time this is aired, but I have him on another interview conversation ready to go that hasn't been broadcast yet end of basketball season football had not even started yet 
got that ready to go. So by the time this is heard, he's already been on the show twice. Henry Lorden has been mentioned on here quite a few times. There's other athletes on the Fieldcrest football team that have been mentioned. At a small school like Fieldcrest, it's a co-op, it's 2A. Talk about the just athletes that you kind of have to mold them. I mean, not having a big place to like choose from. You can't choose the athletes. You're going to get the kids that are that you're going to get. Their age, their group, their class, when they come through. And it's kind of up to the coaches and up to the programs to, if you want to win games, if you want to have a successful program, to groom them into athletes, to groom them into responsible kids that are going to, you know, respond to coaching the way that you want them to. That's a huge deal for Fieldcrest. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned it. It's years of, it looks like just see these athletes are coming to our school district or things like that. But these are kids who, you know, have gone to school together since kindergarten and they just love playing sports and fortunate enough to be getting these, you know, senior classes of, you know, 12 to 19 plus kids. And it's just an amazing feeling. And I would be... I would be wrong if I didn't mention some guys like Craig Meyer and Wayne Weber who have been not only on the high school staff for, you know, 15 plus years, but they were JFL coaches and they've been involved in um, everything Fieldcrest football, you know, from day one, you know, they played MDR teams before Fieldcrest was formed and they've been an integral part of all the success all along the way. So Craig Meyer and Wayne Weber, who this was Wayne Weber's last year, uh, you know, he went out with a 4-0. The success, you know, it really lies on them about over the years grooming kids. But you're exactly right. We have five little feeder towns into our school and we get whoever shows up for football. And obviously we try to recruit the hallways and, you know, get kids. But but there's just a lot of quality character kids that come through this program and our program builds up. And that's what leads to success. And obviously there's some athletic talent there, but these are kids who not only know how to use it, but we try to make a coaching staff who can get the most out of these kids. And we definitely had, you know, myself and seven assistants on the sideline this year who cared about the kids wholeheartedly and led us to the success we had. You've mentioned you have been with the Fieldcrest program. Where did you actually go to high school? Where did you learn the game? I went to Streeter High School. I'm a 2003 graduate, so I was a product of Coach Kelly Kane. Uh, he came there my sophomore year, and I played under him for three years there. And his he was an old school, tough guy. But um, I really feel like guys like you know Coach Kane or you know the former head coach or yeah former head coach there just give me that drive and that love for the game. And they they taught us life skills as well. And we might not have been as always you know the best program out there but guys like coach Kane and uh you know at the time offensive coordinator was Ken Bublitz just guys like that have been influential and and, and Bo Alberts and Ray Yednock I mean I'm getting you know way back in there and from there I didn't go on and play college football I went on to NIU to get an accounting degree and my senior year of college I decided I wanted to coach football because I missed it so much I've been out of it for three years I decided I wanted to go coach my brother who was going to LaSalle Peru at the time and so in 2007 fall of 2007 I asked coach Sassano who had just gotten to LP if he'd give me a chance to be an assistant coach and volunteer for a couple years and I did that and loved it and just fell in love with coaching and really from the time I stepped on the field as a coach I wanted to be a head coach and so I spent three years at LaSalle Peru with a great coaching staff there 
tons of guys like Bill Booker, who's now at St. Beat as assistant coach, head baseball coach, um, Kevin Keating, Pat Carney, and Coach Medina, who's the head coach there now, is just a super great guy. And I'm, I want to mention, I'm so happy for his success there this year and things he's done to help that program a lot, a lot. So um, LP, definitely, not, not just my streeter roots, but now my LP coaching roots have really propelled me to where I'm at. And I love those guys to death, and they, they helped me understand how fun the coaching could be. And so I went back to school and became a teacher and went back to LP for one more year in 2013. And I was a, I was a freshman coach there with Dave Carey, who was his, his kid came through and he was a great coach with me. And then I come to Fieldcrest in 2014 with Derek, same time Derek came. I got hired a couple weeks after he did and he let me be an assistant on the staff. And we've had tons of success since then. Rewind a little bit. You were talking about Kennedy Carey, who was a really good quarterback for LP. Yes, he was. I was actually his freshman coach with his dad. And our freshman team there was just a, a great team and uh, had Max Uranich on that team as well, who ended up being a really phenomenal wide receiver there with Kennedy. And a lot of good kids on that freshman team and just had a great year there that propelled me to just want, you know, even more. And coming to Fieldcrest, I was able to, uh, you know, grateful to have the JV head coaching job as soon as I got here in 2014. And I felt I was ready for that after, you know, those four years there at LP. And I don't really remember the records or the success at Streeter when you were there. I'm a Mendota grad in 04, so I'm only a year younger than you. Okay. No, you, you don't remember success because we didn't really have success when I was there. My, um, we were always two and seven, two and seven. My junior year, we were two and seven, and then my senior year, we had I felt a lot of talent, and we ended up going four and five, and uh, that felt like a pretty successful season there at the time. And then the year after I left, uh, Mike Haggerty and George Solon and some other guys, Walter Moten, senior year high in Streeter, they went, I, I want to say like six and three and made the playoffs and they lost first round, but you know, Streeter making the playoffs is a big deal. Definitely. So you go from that then to LaSalle, Peru, and I believe the years that you were there were kind of some down years. Yeah, yeah, we had I think just one playoff year where the first round of the playoffs we uh, we went week nine up to Sterling I believe, and you know I think went six and three after we lost to Sterling and then first round draw went right back up to Sterling the, the next week and you know they're always very good and so I think the one playoff year we were there it was just Sterling back to back weeks where they were really tough but yeah we didn't really have a ton of success but it was a great coaching staff and just a ton of fun to be honest with you. So, um, and I was able to coach my brother, Brett Freeman, who played D-line for a couple of years and just a lot of great group of kids that came through there that I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to coach them. I remember that year that you're talking about where Sterling, then you go right back to Sterling. And I remember at the local paper when I was there, we were just kind of like scratching our heads. Like, how does that even happen? Yes, it was definitely a really weird year, but one of the biggest highlights of my coaching career is one year we went up to Geneseo and oddly enough, you know, full circle this year, we beat them. We beat Geneseo at Geneseo kind of on a rainy night on a last second field goal. And it was the first time LP beat Geneseo at Geneseo ever, I believe. It was just like we come back into town with the fire trucks and we felt like state champions beating Geneseo. So that's one of the biggest highlights of, you know, my assistant coaching career for sure. 
Man, you're bringing up some memories for me, too. Like, I wasn't there, but I remember, like, where I was at at the paper when this had happened. I was at another game. Somebody sent me a text, like, LP did it. Like, I, now you're bringing up some <laughs> memories for me, too. Yeah, so crazy times, you know, now we're talking about is things like that that really make me smile. And, you know, I'm grateful for a lot of things, you know, God's given me the opportunity to experience in football. For sure. And then you go to Fieldcrest, who I believe it was a year before Derek got there. Can't remember his first name was Lorton. Matt Lorton? Uh, Nate, Nate Lorton. Matt Lorton, his son, was our quarterback last uh, for the semifinal team in 19. And then Henry Lorton is his other son from this year's team. I'm glad you know so, the family tree for me. Thank you. <laughs> they're community people in there. Um, you know, boys, Matt, both Matt and Henry are just great kids. They really are. Definitely, definitely. Nate gets the first... Is it playoff game or playoff win for Fieldcrest the year before? No, no, actually, the, the year before, they go, Fieldcrest goes 8-1 and one during the regular season. Their only loss was the first game of the year to Tri-Valley. Like, I, I think a one-touchdown loss. And then, so they go 8-1, and one and they pull Sterling Newman at home in the first round. And Sterling Newman was 8-1 and one as well, and that was a first-round matchup. Which was crazy. So, I remember that, too. Yeah, and Sterling Newman comes to Fieldcrest, and um, Fieldcrest doesn't win. Um, I, I want to say, I hate to quote this, but maybe 40 to nothing or you know, 40 to something, but Newman wins that one. So, you know, the year Derek comes in, it's all of those guys from that 8-1, and one, I guess it would have been 8-2 and two team, are all returning. They only lose, like, two seniors from that entire team. And then that's our the first year I come was the 2014 semifinal team. Where we were just tremendous with, you know, now who's on our staff, Jared Reitz, offensive lineman, Grant Jokums, uh, Drew Barth was the quarterback, Anthony Rogers was on our staff, was on that team. Definitely, so, and I've spoke to almost all of them. Drew has been on oh, the show I, before, he's been on Edge of Your Seat podcast, and I think it was the year before they went 8-1 and one, was their first playoff berth. I might be wrong, but it was something like that. I was at the game, and I remember Nate's okay. like, we finally did it. I think he had one more season, and then Derek came in. Okay, okay, that could have been it, yeah. I'm trying to, like, reach in the depths of, you know, that was a question. Yeah, I'm, years I'm ago. all over. I mean, you having me going from Streeter to LP and Fieldcrest, like, I'm, I'm all over in my head right now. I know. I'm making you jump around. That's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So then, you know, Fieldcrest, Derek takes over already, you know, 8-1 and one the year before, and just success almost every single year and you're a part of that so you go from street earth and you go to lp then you go to Fieldcrest, and just the different realms of football you know not winning games to being okay to you know maybe next year to then having those years the good years and the the awesome senior classes that you're talking about coming through and picking up those victories every week when they need to well, one of the biggest things to, to get adjusted to is really weird, you know, at Streeter, at LP, is, you know, going into a season, we're like, you know how amazing it would be if we made the playoffs, if we could just get a winning record and make the playoffs, and then we come here and we're, you know, have a, a phenomenal, talented team to have talks of state champs and, and being able to go far, and we're making a semifinal run, and my wife and I still talk about it, like, how crazy is it that we can here at Fieldcrest like expect or at least look forward to state champions? Whereas we, we never had like we talked about like playoffs would have been awesome, and now you know those six years with Derek, we missed the playoffs one time, and 
which is crazy how good of a program it would take in the HOIC to only miss the playoffs one time in six years. And it's just been great, a great feeling knowing we have now a tremendous program and we have the kids who are buying in and the kids who expect and honestly believe to win rather than, you know, some of the mindsets from other schools I've either been a part of or we'll see where, you know, they kind of like expect to lose or know that losing is definitely a real option. Whereas here, we want to win and we know we can win and we've seen winning. So it's definitely a different mindset. And like I said, my wife and I talk about that 2000, that first year here, 2014, the fall was just an, an out of body experience that, you know, can only be topped by a state championship. And then in 2019, we make another undefeated run all the way to the semifinals. And you just get this feeling of now state championships are the pinnacle and are the expectations, you know, rather than just, making the playoffs so it's definitely a different culture here than what i've been a part of and i'm going to take you know the culture here and keep growing it and honestly we have our dreams set on a state championship and when i took the job over the i was telling people you know they took the job over like in the fall fall of 2020 we are state championship bound after a semifinal because i i'll be honest i don't ever want to lose a semifinal game again being in two of them and losing two of them, you know, kind of heartbreakers and knowing a lot of the what ifs. And I knew this senior class, you know, led by Jackson and Henry and Travis and Jordan and Corey and all, all just a great group of guys. Like we are going to be state champs in, in the fall. We had planned on playing 14 games and we plan on winning them all and putting the work in and the effort and being good kids. And then, you know, to go four and oh, it, it, it honestly feels pretty close to that because of the experience we had with these kids this year. And it wasn't just any old 4 and oh, We talked about the first game that you had against Gibson City, Melvin Sibley. Crazy close. They are a really good team. You go into week three against Eureka, ranked in 3A. Also a really good team year in and year out. And you were able to, in a lot of people's minds, upset them. Yeah, I, I honestly feel it's just- you're exactly right. Like a lot of people picked Eureka and they have a great quarterback in Matt Martin and um, they have other skill players and other linemen and uh, they're a big, their enrollments, you know, maybe twice the size of us and they're a 3A school and they're predominantly been good since they've been in our conference. So definitely a team that deserves the ranking they had. And you look at that game, we start off the game and we get the ball. And I think it's a touchback, or we just return it to the 20, and we drive on the very first series 80 yards in like 15 plays and punch it in from the three-yard line and eat up almost the entire first quarter. And so we're on cloud nine thinking, you know, we are just doing everything right, and we came up fired up and felt Eureka didn't move the ball offensively that well, and we made some coaching mistakes and maybe mental mistakes from our players that gave Eureka a couple opportunities there in the second quarter to put points on the board, and they missed their field goal going to halftime, and we're only down 14-7 to at halftime, and kind of the same message to the kids, just, you know, overcome this adversity, and we were just, you know, two weeks before this, we were just down 14 to nothing at Gibson City, so to be down 14-7 to at Eureka felt like we were ahead of the game. And we, we knew what kind of effort we had given at that point, and our defense really tightens up after the second half and at Gibson City, and then against DMAC in week two, we didn't allow a point in the second half, and we had that mentality, like, this stops now, like, they don't score again, we stop, you know, our, our coaching mistakes, and we stop our mental mistakes, and we'll do it, and we come out in the third quarter, I believe, and score a touchdown on a Henry Lorton screen pass that goes 50 yards, 
And our kicker, Jacob Joyle, a little bit before this, just starts cramping up in his in his quads and stuff. And he jogs out onto the field for the extra point after we score to make it 13 to 14. And I look at him and I'm like, hey, Jacob, do you, you got this? Can you kick this extra point? He's like, I got this, coach. I'm hurting, but I'll get the extra point and then we'll get taken care of. Well, he goes out there and honestly, like, misses way left, like shanks it way left and comes back to the sideline. He's like, coach. Probably shouldn't have been out here. Probably shouldn't have been out here. I'm, I'm really hurting. I'm going to go stretch it out. So we had, you know, another guy do the kickoff, and we kept playing great defense and doing a little bit on offense. And I went over to Jacob, I think, right at the third quarter break, and he's laying on the ground getting stretched by the trainer because he's also our number one blocking back at the time, and he's our starting linebacker and somebody we need. And he's been laying on the ground for, you know, a half hour being stretched out. And he's like, I just can't get up. I can't move it. And I look at him, I tap him on the chest and I say, Jacob, I'm going to need you to stand up pretty soon because there's a real chance we're going to go kick a field goal to win this game. And sure enough, we get the ball back with three, four, five minutes left to go in the game and it's a couple of methodical plays. Corey Land making some plays with his legs, Jackson McKay getting open and we, we kind of get down there and we're we're inside the, the 10 yard line and it's, you know, third down and we're like, all right, you know, let's give the ball to our playmaker, Jackson McKay, you know, best player on the field and he kind of gets stuffed by a really solid Eureka defense and I think fourth and goal with 30 seconds to go and we're on the right hash and we're on the eight yard line and in my gut I just felt it and you know I I just felt it was God saying hey Jacob deserves a second chance so we honestly went out over we called a timeout we picked Jacob off the ground from getting stretched we're like hey Jacob um we need you right now and I talked to him in huddle and I said hey guys let's not make this bigger you know let's not make this moment bigger than what it is let's go out here and we'll we'll snap the ball we'll hold the ball we'll kick the ball and we're gonna be victorious and all we have to do is believe in it and believe in each other and I told him right before we broke is hey no matter what happens here I still love you guys and we love each other and this is gonna be this is gonna be good they go out there, and I'm sure you've seen the footage of the, the snap, which was a snap by Carter Stimpert, who is a sophomore, our long snapper, the best at in our program. And, you know, he's done a good job all year on long snapping and just kind of rolled it back to Henry. And I'll keep mentioning that name a whole bunch. Henry Lorton picks the ball up on the ground, puts it on the tee. Jacob Doyle stutter steps, kicks it, and it drops over the inside left corner of the, the upright. And complete pandemonium and i think i raised my my hand to the to the heavens to thank god for you know all the support he gives us that day in and day out and you know to beat eureka 16 to 14 at their place you know to go three and zero at that point is just once again a feeling i will never let go and that team deserves to to cherish forever had to be one of those moments when maybe not right then Maybe not even week four, maybe afterwards when you're like, man, if this team had a full season, what could we have really done? Um, It's funny you say that because, I mean, I I thought that, you know, after week one, after week two, week three, week four, I thought that before the season, like, hey, full season, like, we are really going to be a force to be reckoned with with any team we step on the field with, with the 19 seniors, with the quality of athletes, and above that, the quality of character and the way these kids believe in each other and work for each other. I would be regretful if I didn't mention probably the biggest thing on all this is our coaching staff. And I have seven guys who work behind the scenes. And I know you're talking to me and I got head coach next to my name, but I am one eighth of this coaching staff and I would not put myself above any of those guys who guys like Mitch Neely our defensive coordinator and Zach Meyer who does a tremendous job on both sides of the ball and Logan Weber and like I mentioned before Craig Meyer Logan's dad Wayne Weber and then we got Anthony Rogers Jared Reince 
day in and day out they show up and put in 100 percent of the work and believe in the kids and help out so much to answer your question like you said it yeah how far could we have gone and i say we went four and oh but uh, we felt we played 10 less games than we we thought we could have i kind of agree i really do when found out what was going on with the season what actually did end up happening with the season i felt bad for two teams well, for everybody, I mean, we want these kids to play and have fun, but, you know, of course, we got to be safe, and COVID-19 is a real thing. The uh-huh. two teams that first popped in my mind were you guys, Fieldcrest, and Princeton, because in my mind, oh, like, both of you yeah. were going to state. In my mind, both of you were there. Well, that's awesome that, that you believed in us, because I know we had, you know, some doubters everywhere, you know, lost too many guys, lost some big guys, and we did. We lost a ton of guys from a semifinal team, but we had, we knew we had plenty of quality kids coming back you just had too many a athletes that play multiple sports and the skill players when you have skill players like you guys do the knights in high school it's hard to beat that they're shifty they're fast they know the game they know how to make their reads when you have that many guys that can do that that's hard to beat Oh, absolutely, and um, that was kind of one of the things we talked about in the offseason is, hey, we need to get the ball to the guy, and we look at our chart, and we're like, okay, yeah, we know we have Jackson, but look at all these other guys we need to get the ball to, and, you know, we have guys like Austin Jefford in the backfield who his legs never stop running when you give him the ball, and we have guys catching the ball like Lucas Sidebottom and Zach Keller and Isaac Morse and brand-new kid Andrew May, and that's one thing that gets kind of overlooked about this team is I think we had five kids on our roster, five seniors on our team who had never played high school football before who got very quality minutes. And um, somebody like Noah Nordstrom never played high school football before starting center. Um, Andrew Perry never played high school football before starting defensive lineman. Uh, Andrew May ended up starting as wide receiver for us, never played high school football till this year. Just kids who wanted to come out and be a part of it and loved their friends and loved what we were doing with the program and helped us a lot. That's fantastic. That makes me smile. Yes, the same here, same here. And, and kids, I'm, I'll forever be, you know, connected to and always with just from even just four games as I'm coming out and playing football. We have said the name Derek Schneeman a few times, was the head coach. You took over for him after he left to go to DeKalb and be an assistant coach there. How much has the program really changed? I mean, you still have success. You learned from him. You were, you know, on his staff. Has the program really changed, or have you just kind of carried it on from, you know, what he left behind? I would say, and Derek and I have a great relationship. We work together, talk together, um, coach together for six years, and we text all the time and, you know, throw throw things back and forth to each other. And even after that Gibson City win, he's like, hey, what a great win for the program. He texted me that. I said, hey, this is just, you know, a continuation of what you built here. And I'm just getting, he immediately come back and he said, no, what we built. And that's the kind of guy he is and the kind of coach he is. is he's not going to say it's something he did. It, it's such, such a group effort. And I retained most of the staff that he had, you know, that really led to the success. And so Derek did great things. And um, he, he'd be one to say the same thing. Is it, It's a full coaching staff team effort one of the things when i got the job i I didn't want to change any of the winning ways or what the kids believed in or bought in or were doing because Derek and and the staff did a great job of establishing that for many years but i really wanted to incorporate character building and making sure that after the season these guys are better 
than just their record or better than just really good football players or have, you know, a great 40 time or can catch balls or blockers. I wanted them to, you know, be a, a great step closer to being great husbands in the future and great dads and just do great things with their career. And so we really implemented a lot of like character building stuff and word of the week that I know, you know, each week we really hammered on these kids and um, at our team meals, I would bring a guest speaker in outside of the program to give them words of wisdom and talk to them. And I wanted football to mean more than, you know, Friday nights or Saturday afternoons or X's and O's. And I wanted this to be, to be deeper than that. And, you know, I got my coaches to buy into that and, and believe. And honestly, we believed in each other and we believed in the messages and, I even get in the community like, hey, you're you're the coach who talks about God a lot and preaches Jesus, and I I will stand up and be at the forefront of that. Yep, that's me. I'll be I'll be the Jesus coach because I wouldn't be where I'm at without God and and His help, and my family wouldn't be, and our faith is unbelievable, and I would be doing a discredit to everything in my life if I didn't you know lead my first step out there with saying, hey, um, everything Jesus did for us and everything God does for us, it, it's just the forefront of what we do, and so my players hear that from me all the time. So we've gotten. To a point where no matter what we talk about or say is one of the things I tell them is like, hey, we're going to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If something I say or something we do makes you feel uncomfortable, that's good because it means you're, you're growing, you're expanding, you're being a different person. So we got comfortable being uncomfortable. So at halftime of 14 to nothing to get Gibson, we were uncomfortable, but we were used to it. So Eureka, we were down, we were uncomfortable or, you know, we were going in for a game winning field goal. That you don't miss it, we lose, make it, we win. We were uncomfortable, but we were okay with that, and we knew who ultimately had our back. So going back to you saying, Derek did so many things here that were really good, and football-wise just continued the tradition of having you know these athletes and coaching them up and continuing to build their confidence, but trying to lead these these young men and coaches, you know, closer to a heavenly prize versus a, you know, a championship prize is, is my ultimate goal. So that's what I kind of wanted to bring in and implement into the program. Good stuff. Good stuff. And so far, small sample size looks like it's working. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. But yeah, definitely a small sample size. With saying small sample size, I mean, obviously this has happened because of COVID-19. IHSA went to six games, some schools went to five, some schools went to four. Not very many schools are actually getting all six in. Yeah, yep, I see that. As a coach, obviously you wanted to play. You were hired a year ago, hadn't played a game yet. 365 days later, you have a, a, a game scheduled. Yeah, you're excited. At the same time, was there... Like, doubt? Was there concern? I mean, we're going through this whole pandemic, the whole world is, and we're trying to play football. We want to keep our life normal and do what we want to do, what we love to do, but at the same time, try to keep everybody safe and healthy. What were your thoughts going into this situation? Like I said, you want to play, but should we? I definitely think that we followed all the guidelines and did everything that was asked of us. And even though there were intermittent, even our school district and in our state and our country, like there were up and downs of spikes and everything like that. But we felt what we were doing was overall safe without getting too much into it. We knew what the risk reward was and it's not just football, it's sports and it's the, the mental health for these kids and, you know, what being locked down did to them all summer long and all, you know, fall long. And, and we knew coming into the fall, like, Hey, these kids need sports. They need things. And we were really, 
ready and willing to take on that risk of, you know, going and playing and, and playing with the masks on our face mask and, you know, doing it when we're off the field. And it's just too often it gets overshadowed, the mental health effects that all of this, the masks and the quarantining and things like that is having on these kids versus these four games, these six weeks, if you include the two weeks of practice that we were together, these kids were absolutely out of their shell and we weren't too concerned. Like, of course, we didn't want a spike in COVID cases to shut us down so we couldn't play football and we don't want people to get sick and we want to do things safe in the right way. But at some point, there comes a time where you measure risk versus reward. And I feel even a long time ago, back into the fall, like the, the risk is way lower than what the reward was for giving these all of the student athletes an opportunity to get out and do more. And, you know, the kids, you know, being in school and wearing masks like that, that seems to be helping. So I just believe like kids should have been in school the whole time. We should have been playing sports cautiously with guidelines, with help and, you know, following some things. But um, to take anything away from kids, especially high school kids, really affects their mental well-being. And that's one thing I really wanted to make sure I focused on with them is letting them know that I'm there for them and I care about them. And this is more than football. And we knew that from day one. And um, I'm no stranger over myself. Like, even here at home, it, it, it doesn't get easy. And, you know, when you have kids, you, you're going through all this. And um, here with my wife, and we're kind of social distancing all summer long with little ones and a baby. And we're trying to keep it to ourselves. And we just want what's best for our health. But we also know that you need social interaction. You need um, those things with your friends and family and, and things like that all around you. So risk-reward, if you want to ask me bluntly, we should have been playing in the fall. We should have been playing full, and, and these kids would be better off in the long run, I feel. Good stuff, Coach. Thanks for uh, sharing your opinion with us. No problem. That's always a tough one at the moment. You know, you're like, oh, what do you say? What do you do? This is how I feel. But there's so many different points of view and so many, you know, the mm-hmm. doctors say this, the specialists say this, the government says this, the health department says this. It's been this way for over a year, 13 months now. So you never know what's right, never know what we're yeah. supposed to do, what yeah. we're not supposed to do. I appreciate the hard question, and I know it is, and some people shy away from it. I have strong opinions. I will give those to everybody, and um, sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not good for me. So, you know, my wife's one of them. Sometimes I'm just too too strong, too aggressive with my opinion, but sometimes it's, you know, what needs to be said. So I, I appreciate the hard questions. For sure, for sure. Another hard question. How do you like your steak? My steak? Oh, medium rare. <laughs> I medium just made- rare, that's, that's a pretty easy one. I just made steaks tonight, and, you know, I had to throw it out there since I was asking tough questions. Yeah, medium rare. Definitely a little. Got to be juicy. I don't want it overdone or tough, anything like that. I kind of made a mistake, and I was talking while I was cooking, and it got a little more done than it should have. Oh, that that happens. That happens. (laughs) Especially when you're a talker. Like, I I talk. That's what I do. So Uh it, it happens, I guess. Yeah, my wife will say to me, like, we'll be, I don't know, at night, like, doing dishes together, and she's like, how about you just talk, because you can't talk and do stuff at the same time, like, uh, my brain doesn't work that way, I'm a a one-way guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, that's awesome. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we make them play a game, let's play a game, we're gonna play Hot Potato, I'm gonna throw you two people, place, things, objects, whatever, and you pick which one you like best. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, we'll start off easy. Field crest colors, blue or 
or silver? Oh, I like the silver. We had chrome decals on our helmets this year, so silver really pops out. Um, navy blue will always be there, but silver is where it's at. I saw those helmets, and I really liked them. I should have sent you a, a meeting text early in the season and be like, Coach, you don't know who I am yet, but those are awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Summer or winter? Oh, summer. I am I am anti-winter, anti-cold. I hate the cold. Summer is where it's at. I love boating. I love fishing, being outside with my kids. For everything summer, zero winter. Easy one. What's more important on a football team, offense or defense? Oh, I'm an offensive guy 100% of the time, and it's tough to beat a team that scores 60 points, so it doesn't matter how many you give up, you just outscore them, but I do know the value, especially this year, of what a really good, aggressive, fun defense can do to a team, and they bailed our offense out more times than I'd like to admit, but um, I'll I'll say offense. (laughs) A car or a truck? Oh, I'm a truck guy. Just upgraded these past couple months, I had a Chevy Colorado uh, quad cab, and I like to pull my boat with it. And now that I got two car seats in there, it's tough to do that in a little one. So I upgraded to a Silverado last couple months. So I'm happy about that. Chicago White Sox, Chicago Cubs. Oh, you're, this is where you're going to lose all of your listeners on this for me. I am not a baseball guy at all. I am indifferent. I, I won't say that I don't care. I don't dislike any of them, but I'm not a fan of baseball. And it's really hard for me to connect with people who love baseball and who love things. I I just don't at all. Thank you for this conversation. I'm going to let you go now. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. My wife's trying to, for years now, been trying to get on a train. She's like, hey, we got to pick somebody. Like, people hang out. They watch baseball. They talk sports, stuff like this. I was like, I just can't get with it. I don't know why. So I'm a little un-American in that sense. Not un-American. I mean, we all like our different things. I'm actually... Baseball is like third on my list. So in that essence, that term of things, maybe I'm an American too. <laughs> Christmas or Thanksgiving? Oh, Christmas, definitely. I and, and my wife is all Christmas all the time. If it weren't weird, we would keep a tree up. We would keep the lights up. It just something about the Christmas season. My wife just is ecstatic about and it's rubbed off on me. So Thanksgiving, I love food. I'm a food person for sure. But Christmas, there's nothing else like it with the feeling and just what the reason for the season and you know the whole thing behind Jesus' birthday. And that's, that's the reason we do anything around here. So I'm going Christmas. Were you a mama's boy or a daddy's boy? Um, a dad's boy. Um, I have four brothers and my dad and we, you know, we grew up in the same house together. Lots of guy stuff going on. And I really think God knew what he was doing when he gave me a wife and two daughters. He's like, um, you're going to learn how these women things work and never, you know, never had that a lot growing up. And so definitely a dad, a, a guy's guy, I would say. Graduating high school in 2003, you're a good 36, 37 years old. Yes, 36, 37 this year. Music from the 1990s or music from the 2000s? Ooh, good question. This is a good one. Um, I would have to, ooh, I can split this, right? I can split it. Um, 90s, like pop. Um, I'm not afraid to say I, I like some boy band music and some things like that, but I definitely love some 2000s rap music once in a while so so i'll split it between genres as well so 
but if I had one station, it would be it would be nineties. Nineties hits is where it's at. <laughs> For sure, I thought it would be a good question. Both of us, like right on the cusp, right? We're like seventeen, eighteen yeah. in the very beginning yep. of the two thousands. It's like okay, we mm-hmm. grew up our teen years, our kid years, listening to nineties music, and then we go through the whole two thousands in college, eighteen years old, yeah, and all yeah. those stuff. So you, we kind of fell in like the middle of both of them. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So it, it, it is a different lifestyle. You think about '90s music versus 2000s music. It's a different lifestyle it puts you in. <laughs> I wasn't even gonna throw in the 10s and the 20s because I was like, we'll stick with '90s and 2000s because that's where it was at for me. Yeah. 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 We'll stop at 2000s. I agree with that. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Fieldcrest coach Mike Freeman, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat podcast. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Talk some Knights football and everything else that we've discussed on this episode. Thanks again, and you are welcome to come back on the show anytime, my friend. Oh, I appreciate it, and I'll I'll come back anytime you need me to talk nights football, talk anything. This was a great conversation. Appreciate the invite. You're doing great stuff, Brandon, so thank you, and um, God bless you and everyone out there.